This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Football Fancast, fuelled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that still has plenty to play for. So, the lame ducks were beaten by the Swans on Saturday, as Chelsea succumbed to their 10th defeat in this god-awful season, proving that a 15-game unbeaten run was in reality just papering over the cracks. Whilst it may seem tempting for many supporters to just write this season off and end it now... We still have six games left. It does beg the question, though. Does anybody actually give a shit? (laughs) I'm Stanford Chidge, and the name of tonight's show is the Chelsea Football Fancast number 350. And the name of the show is Pointless, uh, which is nothing to do with the Chelsea Fancast, because I think that we are anything but pointless. But there we go. And in fact, I've got three fantastic gentlemen in the house with me on this very special 350th edition, and they are certainly not pointless, because they are Mr Jonathan Kidd. As always, honoured to be on the show, Chidge. Well, isn't it lovely to be on such a significant milestone of a show? The 350th show, Yes, indeed. I'm just wondering how many of us that are on tonight have been on the... I mean, I remember when we did the 50th, you know, and we we got quite pissed in celebration of that. It'd be interesting to know. I mean, it's, it's very hard for me to figure out unless I go and look back, so I won't. But anyway, Jonathan, great to have you in the house on this very auspicious night. Dan Silver. All right, mate. How you doing? I'm I'm very very well, mate. I'm delighted to hear your dulcet tones, and also to see that you finally got yourself a little Skype avatar, and also to see that you're holding a bottle of Peroni in Two your bottles. right hand. Two yeah, bottles. I had to crop you, it though. You are yes, I can just sneakily I'm see. I'm very balanced. You are indeed. Yeah. It's good to see that, mate. Now you, you were there, of course. Did you have a nice time? Yeah, in fairness, apart from three till about ten to five, it was a really good time. I sat next to Tim Rolls, which was really nice. Uh, Martin Wickham. Uh, you know, lots of nice people. I had a pub pint with Dan in the pub. My Welsh mate, who 
Very thought was a Swansea fan, but he's a proper Chelsea fan. So hello, Corey, if you're listening. Nice stuff, good yeah. stuff. All right, matey. Uh, and finally, last but by no means least, a great old friend of the show uh, is Dan Levine. Borada, boyo. Yakida. 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 Um, Dan, here's a good thing. I, I'm just trying to remember when you first kind of came onto the show with us, which I think mm. I think you possibly possibly predate Dan and Jonathan. I don't know, uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think maybe you do. I think it'd be a toss-up between you and Jonathan as to who who got on first. Because I had Jonathan on as a guest before I had him on as you know part of the the regular team. Um, but I think you you two have certainly done the hard yards. So there we go. What a, isn't it lovely? Three hundred and fifty shows. How about that? Fantastic. You feel older. How about you? As I said last week, here's to another three hundred and fifty. Yeah, well, you know what? Well, funny enough, you you said that in the interview that I did with Cundy, more of which in a minute, um, I, I, I worked out that in another 350 shows time, I will be nearly 60. Yes. And I will possibly not be too old to do this show. Uh, and he assured me that I wouldn't be. And I said, that's very kind of you. Anyway, we should get on with it, really. Otherwise, uh, it'll, it will never make the end of the 350th show, uh, which tonight we will be discussing the conundrum of playing the youth and disinterested senior players whilst expecting decent results, and asking, was Goose right to yank off young Miazga? Yes, the pause was for laughter. <laughs> One of you got it, even though you restrained yourselves. I, I got it, but I, 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 yeah, but I you, sort of couldn't really comment. You never find anything funny that I do on principle, Jonathan, and that is why no, I love you. I, 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 I love your jokes. I love the effort you make. Always love the effort. Oh, yeah, right. That's a backhanded compliment if ever I ever heard one. Anyway, part two, we're going to be asking, who gives a shit? The players? The manager? The club? The supporters? Who can say? Uh, we'll also be rounding up this week's Chelsea news on Antonio Conte. And uh, also talking about potential departures. Uh, I'm not talking of the train variety. And also JT's future. So there we go. Part three. Ah, oh, this is this is just because I, I've you know because I love all the people that listen to this show as well as the people that take part in it. Um, you're all like my my, my brothers and sisters. Uh, so I thought I would do something very special for you. And, and as Dan will testify, because he's quite often been in the pub uh, after the games with me, and uh, quite often Mr. Jason Cundy appears, and we have a bit of a laugh and a drink. And I've been badgering him for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. I said, Jason, I know I can't get you on the show anymore physically because uh, you're busy doing stuff but can I phone you up and we'll do an interview and he said yes mate just let me know when and this week finally I have done it so we have a very very special interview with Jason Cundy that I recorded earlier in the week and I asked him about all sorts of things uh, mainly why this season's so shit uh, what he thinks about Antonio Conte and what he thinks needs to happen this summer do not miss that it is gold does he dust. have any fascinating insights he does I was do you know he has lots and I was if I'd have had time and of course unfortunately I'm now incredibly very very busy at the moment but I would have put little clips up on, on, on Twitter and stuff. But uh, I thought, no, actually, I'll just wait. We'll wait until tonight, and then you can make it exclusive. It, but... It's good to get a player's perspective on this, actually. Yeah, Cundy's, Cundy talks a lot of sense as well, as we know, because we, we've had a few yeah. beers within the pub, and he does that. Yeah. Right, wrapping up in part four, we're going to have the usual roundup of Chelsea supporter news and an email or two read by the wonderful, the premium voiceover artist of his generation. Yes, that is... Jonathan Kidd, not oh, me. Oh, yeah. how lovely! He'll be doing that. Uh, and also, <laughs> also, we're going to announce the winner uh, of the D D uh, Diego Didier Drogba print from the lovely Arwen Thomas. Yeah. Talking of Welsh Ooh. people, um, I've got some. It's, by the way, can I just say I was I was spotted on Twitter as being on just before match of the day last night in a panorama. Really? I did. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, correctly, I was spotting ah, I'm impressed by that. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, well, we do have some winners to that competition, and the beauty of doing this virtually means we can generally have, uh, genuinely have a blind draw for the winner. So I will I will call out a number, and then one of, I will ask one of you to pick that number, you know, pick a number between whatever it is, and then we'll announce the winner. So that'll be quite exciting. Right, now, you lot out there, don't forget, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock. Uh, at the moment, we're on British summertime, which is uh, some, somewhat of a contradiction in terms, I know. But yes, apparently we do have a summer. Uh, and of course, um, you can go to mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where you can join in all of the chat and post live on the chat page. And we've got loads of people in tonight. A quick rundown tells me that we've got Abiyan Sajin, who very kindly tweeted me last week and said he would be listening, and he is. L.L. Hughes, which is L.L. Cool J's cousin. Uh, K. Spicer, John Chips, Chiverton again. Gillian, I saw Alan May's score. My favourite um, uh, Avatar-type name, apart from Planet Earth is Blue, who may well be in the house this week, I don't know, but he made me laugh last week. Uh, there's a bloke called Dan Silves in the chat room. Yeah. That, that's novel. You can you can you lot out there can be that's talking. Cheating. Yeah, that's pretty. You get two opportunities to be on the show. I know. He's, he's trying to he's trying to take over all of us. Multitasking. Yeah. Is he posting? Perry's, Jonathan Perry's there. Yes, Jonathan Perry's is there. Benny the Blue. I mean, I could go on, and I won't. Shout because... out to Jonathan. Shout you out. To... You. Yeah. Him in the East Stand Upper. Yeah, Jonathan's a good lad. Anyway, right, we must move on. Uh, of course, you can always tweet us at Chelsea Fancast, where I will comprehensively ignore anything you tweet because I'll be too busy doing this. But hey ho! Right after this very uh, small but beautifully formed sting, which involves Chelsea beating Spurs in the car, uh, Capital One Cup last year, we will talk about a game that is less memorable. <laughs> Chelsea. Um, without further ado, I, I, I really think, you know, as I said, I, I kind of, you know, left the game obviously not very happy because I can't stand losing. Um, but it just kind of occurred to me that, 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 that this match, probably more than any other, defined uh, the conundrum that we have of, you know, wanting to play the youth, but kind of putting them in with a load of disinterest, disinterested senior players who've got their mind on either leaving the club, uh, having a rest, going to the European Championships, or God knows what, driving, buying a new Bentley or something, um, and then expecting a decent result is is possibly a bit too much to ask, is it not, Dan? So sorry, Dan Levine. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. It um, it just it felt very end of term, almost pre season, didn't it? it and, didn't it? Uh, yeah. and 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 I think part of the problem is, and and, and Goose t- touched on this afterwards, that is that the club and the team are just between objectives at the moment. There's nothing really to push them on. You can see there's a lack of enthusiasm on the pitch. And God, just make the season end, really. That's what I think. Mm, it's interesting stuff. I mean, Dan, you were there. Sorry, Dan Sills. I've got right. right. <laughs> Dan will be Dan Levine, and Sills will be Dan Silver. I mean, you you two were there. I mean. Can what, I be John? We know who you are, darling. Thank you. There are people who are yet to be discovered in the Amazon rainforest who know who you are, Jonathan. <laughs> um, Sylves, I mean, you and Dan were both there. I mean, what was the atmosphere like in the in the crowd? Uh, it was it was subdued. I mean, a, a lot of empty seats were around where we were sitting. I mean, 
for all the fun Villa was with the, you know the way it was it was quite there's got the odd chant game but it never really got going it was it was it was subdued it was a kind of you know almost accepting defeat before he even kicked off mm. not, nothing else I think it's my tenth away game of the season by far and away the worst you know the worst we've been to just lack of interest and predictability it it, it sums up our season in, in a whole it won't be played because it was left right left right left right no one making runs Fabregas looking up no one's passed to sideways sideways Swansea 10 behind the ball and we couldn't do anything and coming back on the train chatting to two really nice Swansea people and they said the best Swansea have played all season yeah. against us they said you know they thought they turned up the first time mm. but uh, from our point of view it, it was it was can I make a point yeah of course Jonathan um, I, I think what could have pissed the players off as well was the whole team seemed to be based around Loftus-Cheek because Loftus Cheek was playing in that position in the middle that Oscar could possibly have played in. Uh, Fabregas could have been further forward. Um, and Oscar, for example, was forced to play right wing in the first half, which you know I don't think he's great at playing. And I felt that they were just giving Loftus Cheek appears to be the great hope of the club, and this is what I've heard. The rumor is that Abramovich thinks that's the case. I think Dan, you mentioned something about this before. Was that to Dan Levine? I should say. That, yeah, they're, they're desperate for him to, to come they're good. They're desperate to succeed. So he was given, you know, he's playing in a position which he, before he's been put, we're not sure where he's been. He's been right half. He's been uh, midfield. He's been suddenly he's right in the middle, and he did better. I admit he did better, but he's been given an opportunity, and I wonder if the team then gets completely out of kilter because they're playing, they're forced to play with somebody who isn't really anywhere near the finished article but he's been given a go and I think it's what you're talking about earlier Chidge about the, the dilemma of putting in yeah. the, the youth but and I felt that it just made the team look completely unbalanced he and was, if you feel sorry. that you're playing in a team that as well as you've got no incentive but it's almost an experiment I think it's quite difficult for you to get incentivized. but what's the word have incentive for it to actually to, to, to make more of an effort and I think that was that was established in the first half, where we were extremely poor. And I thought poor, second, Jonathan. You what? Poor. Sorry. Poor. Poor. And I think in the second half, when he played Mikel at the back, who played you know, as, as <laughs> Mikel always does. He's he here. Played, he's there. He's every fucking he where. Well. Mikel. Exactly. He played really brilliantly because he had a go. You he know? looked better than Branner, didn't he? It was he out. Did. It he was Branner. mental. Branner had another oh, awful game. Branner was poorly. Well, he just kept giving the ball away. Oh, what's the matter with him? For God's sake! Can we? Can we? So I think the whole team was out of kilter. Yeah, and it was better in the second half because also Miazga, another. You know, he's playing because everybody's injured. But similarly, you know, not very experienced, having a go. His his the goal was his fault because it was a weak header. You know, well, I, you know, talking about Miazga, Jonathan, I, you know, it's very, it's difficult that one because you know we know yeah. he's only had a couple of games. We know he doesn't have a clue how to play in the Premier League. We know he's probably not big and strong enough yet. We know he's not experienced enough to to know about the dark arts. But we know but that ha- he may not have a role to play at all. Well, next he season. he may well not. But I I think a lot of people will. He, get almost, it. he almost certainly won't next season. Yeah, but before we get into that, I mean, you know, sorry, a, a lot of a lot of people were getting on his case, as you will know, Dan, because I'm sure you were following Twitter as assiduous as I was but one of the things that occurred to me was you know if you've got a young kid being pushed into a a position like that it would be nice if some of the senior players around him actually gave him a bit of support rather than playing like a headless chicken with their feet in cement Brano Ivanovic I'm talking about you I mean Dan am I being unreasonable there 
Yeah, I think you're being entirely fair. I think it was a sort of a... Um, if, if you think back to the, the game we played at the end of oof, a couple of seasons back up at Anfield, where we had um, Callas at the back. It was Callas, wasn't it? Yes. Who, yeah. who looked fantastic, and he looked fantastic because everybody helped him out. Now, I don't think Callas um, is a world-beating player, just as I don't think that Matt Miazga is a world-beating player. I don't know how you can compare the two in terms of um, abilities, but the, the sole difference really was that nobody helped Miazga. And um, he, he really was left to drown, um, and drown he did. Yeah. There were very different circumstances, though, weren't they, Dan? Because that was the game where we wanted to beat Liverpool, and um, and it's where Gerard fell over, wasn't it? So yes, it was, hilariously, it was the big, the big. Let's prove to Liverpool that we let's stop Liverpool from winning the the title. That's what. But I, th- I think I think Dan's yeah. point's pretty good, though, Jonathan. In the no, no, I agree. I think they the incentive was different, you know. But not only did they get those two, Callas and Christensen, not only did they get good support from senior team members I actually thought they were quite decent as well actually as it happens on the on the day I mean here's the here's a question for for, for Sylves I mean you know it was it was quite redolent of Baba when uh, you know you and I were at the Southampton game weren't you and he hooked Baba off uh, at the, yeah. after the first half and he did the same to Miazga um what do you think about that I mean you know two mistakes one led to a goal um but again it was it was just a, it was a weak header but then you got Chris there was three players behind Sigurdsson, who weren't tracking the midfielder. So, arguably, you had a defensive midfielder tracking back with Sigurdsson, and everyone was said to see his sort of play. You've got to watch; he just off the back and scores goals. You know what I like he to call? You know what up. I like to call him, don't you? Guilty, oh. guilty Sigurdsson. <laughs> yeah, I personally would have kept him on. I think a game like that where it's got no meaning, you learn, you learn from your mistakes. It's like, well, you know, fall off a bike and get back on again. I wouldn't necessarily um, take him off. What really not was second half. We did, we did nothing. You know they did, they did nothing to attacking force. They thought we're going to take this one goal. We're going to defend, defend, defend. Even with one centre half, who I thought was appalling, because first half behind the goal we saw Brandon. He wasn't talking, wasn't gesticulating, wasn't pointing, wasn't wasn't doing a captain's thing. Well, that, often... Dan, on that on that point, I, 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 you know. It, it just ama- well, num- two things. Number one is it, it says something when you can put John Obi McKell in central defence, and he and he makes you know he basically looked four times a central defender than Branner Ivanovic. And the well, second, well, well, well. and, and, and John well, Obi Maldini, we call him. <laughs> yes, quite right. The the well, yes, indeed. I, there's, there's nothing I can say to that because it's all true. <laughs> We've got a new song. Who needs John Terry? Yeah, got John Obi. Well, quite. But I mean, the other thing is, is that it just for me. Yesterday or Saturday's game just showed me the folly of making Brana Ivanovic. I know he's the standing captain because JT's injured, but the man has no captaincy credentials at all, as far as I'm concerned. Silves. No, he's not vocal. I mean, this is he's no vast, vastly, vastly experienced player, but he's not vocal. He doesn't d- dictate a game. I would have personally, like, something like Fabregas. Fabregas, seen him a few times now, but away games from a different perspective, and he's. Forever at the referees, the linesman, the appointee, telling players where to go. You know, being you know, being a, being a personality which we need. So someone like Fabregas, who, who's experienced, talks, knows the game, knows the dark arts, and I think could be a, a potential captain. Although I know I know your, your thoughts on him in his history. But from... Well, I know. I mean, you know, it's interesting. I mean, on the, on the old London is Blue pod yesterday, I, I they did the whole keep and sell thing, and I said we should sell. Fabregas because I don't like him, which I think is really, I think it's entirely reasonable. That's Listen, very rational. I've got I've got a, there was another reason, and I and the other reason is I just don't see I, I I've just been really well. We're going to talk about this later, so I'll keep my powder dry. Yeah. But I've got a wonderful post on Mixler from Sajin 
which says such a poor effort from the lads given that the fan cast was celebrating the 350th no respect at all uh, <laughs> a, a, a fantastic wise words from Sajid yeah. there Jonathan what do you think perfect exactly um I mean they weren't you know I mean look I, we, we've just you know spent a good eight minutes coating off the defence uh, quite deservedly so in many respects I mean we haven't can even... I make a point about yeah, Baba a second yeah well I was going, going to, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm just you know I don't understand where the 25 million is what, what in, a, in a Swiss bank account mate yeah yes, <laughs> yeah, with Avram Grant getting a percentage of it no, I, probably I mean I, mean, I, thought, I thought to be fair to Baba he was probably our best defender yeah he I, I, I thought he still, was okay still, actually I keep going on about this thing about you know we're supposed to be one of the top 10 teams in Europe <laughs> how have we ended up with, yeah. with with somebody who is just so just not the full ticket well you know? I mean that Jonathan the whole the whole performance I mean do you know what I nearly called this show I mean pointless seemed much more appropriate right well, I, I was going to say who gives a shit, but I thought maybe that was a bit rude for our 350th. But I mean, I, you could have called it, you know, mid-table blues, because that was such. I mean, we we have been for the whole of the season playing like a shit team in the middle of the table. I mean, and and that that whole match summed it up for me. Listen, very quickly. I I, I mean, one thing I would say, and I think I, I think it might be you, Jonathan, who alluded to this earlier on. Um, and actually, Goose, as Dan will 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 uh, validate in a minute, I'm sure, made much the same point. But I just thought uh, it, it did look like a, a side that was cobbled together. Um, the very funny Graham McCarrie on uh, We Ain't Got No History compared the team that ended the, the match as the kind of team that you would put together playing FIFA 16 when drunk and angry, <laughs> which I just thought was genius and also very true. But I mean, they had, there, there was, it was just, it looked like a side that was cobbled together. There was an inability to build, uh, you know, from any of the possession and there was utter confusion reigning at the back. But I think yeah. the other, the other thing that really struck me is that there was no sharpness, Jonathan, in the side at all they were you know so many times they were you know giving the ball away past terrible passing and well it was very like earlier in the season actually when the Mm. there was a kind of dreadful midfield you give it to me i'll give it to you it was after you clawed all the time which we just when 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 they were playing at their worst under Mourinho, that seemed to resurface i mean i i I felt sorry i tell you the two players i felt sorry for I felt sorry for Falcao, who's just been a completely <laughs> yeah. miserable, miserable experience for him. And yet, in moments, he looks sort of sharpish, but he looks as sharpish as Traore does. You think, why don't they play Traore? And then poor old Pato, who's so, so much of a bundle of energy, but you think, why didn't he just kick the ball in the net rather than trying to do a, a kind of sort yeah. of behind-his-leg um, oh, no. Bardy thing. Two, two, two guilt-edged chances, both oh, of which he should have put away. But I, I now forgive Pato of everything, even if I, I didn't before, because I mean, I, I loved his performance at Aston Villa and, and his passion, but yeah. I, I now forgive him even more because no, there, is, this is, there is no doubt, this is not open to doubt at all anymore, uh, but he looks like Mickey Dolans from the Monkeys, doesn't he, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you looked more like the Go Compare Man. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Because yes. they didn't show his disallowed goal. Oh, it wasn't. No. It wasn't. It wasn't. In my view, Dan, it was mm-hmm. absolutely legal. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah, because I, I wasn't sure. Because my goal was, I thought he took on his chest, and the way he turned and brought his arm around made the referee think it was a handball. But Matchday chose not to show it. Well, in fact, what was it on um, Chelsea TV? They, they, uh, the terrible Sam Parkin. I've no idea what on earth he's on there for. Oh, he's, blimey, he's still around. Stri- yeah, but he's the he's the commentator. Um, uh, he's sorry. He's the he's the expert 
And he said, oh, yeah, you're definitely handball, definitely. And, you know, I just looked and thought, hang on, it's hit him on the shoulder. It's nowhere near his. Anyway. I, I, I thought it's a perfectly good goal. And actually, I really felt and uh, uh, sorry for him again, because if he'd scored, we'd all be saying, oh, what a fantastic game Pato had, I'm afraid. Because, mm. it's the, you know, it's just that, that kind of... Uh, it's as narrow as that, isn't it? Those little. I'll but, say but, one thing: Chelsea TV. They got Sam Parker as a pundit. They've fallen down massively as well. Yeah. Listen, I mean, on the whole Pato thing, I think just a little bit of realism here, um, because you know, one thing I and I, you know, Sajin says, give Pato a break. He's getting sharp, and actually, he's reading my mind because there, there, as we all know, there are many things to being a striker and, and a massive amount of it is to be in the right position at the right time to have the opportunity to score. Now, I've seen plenty of Chelsea strikers who can't even do that. Torres is, is one that springs to mind. Even Costa early in the season wasn't doing that. And I think Pato's intelligence as a striker and his movement is actually not bad. I think the problem with him at the moment is he's just not, he doesn't have the fitness in his legs to get in the positions perhaps as readily as he might. And, he's, and he clearly doesn't have that match sharpness to put away, as I said, what were two guilt-edged chances. I mean, what, what do you think, Dan Levine? Um, I, I think there's a bit more to it than that, personally. I mean, I'm going I'm to come down pretty hard on him. Um, OK, Chelsea have taken a chance on him, and it, it clearly hasn't worked. I can't see any way he's going to be at Chelsea yeah. next season, I'm afraid. Um, he's, he's been put in the shop window. Um, he's failed to perform. He's, he, to be fair, he's also failed to be given a chance but at the same time he's just been so far off fit it's not been true um so i think um we both he and Falcao, we won't see a great deal more of them in a chelsea shirt yeah i think that that's just that's absolutely right and i mean put it put it around another way gents if if we had both pato and Falcao in our squad next season something has gone very very very, very seriously wrong, yeah. wrong you know and I, I i couldn't i couldn't agree more um just to kind of sum this up um you know i i read a stat that it's 10 defeats that we've now had this season um i i was trying i couldn't i just because i couldn't really be bothered to look it up on wikipedia basically but i'm just wondering when the last time we had 10 defeats in a season was anybody know um, the last time we finished anywhere around this part of the table would have been about 90. Oh, that was 96, 96. 96. In fact, yeah. I actually, you'll love this because some prick, I think it was Chris Bascom talking of prick. You probably know Chris, don't you, Dan? I'm not sure I do. Chris Bascom uh, writes, I can't remember which tabloid he writes for, but he's basically a scouser. And uh, he, he kind of writes about that. And he was, that's right, he was writing an, an article about Everton and why they wouldn't sell us Lukaku because Everton consider us to be a mid-table club. So I tweeted back to him, this is the last 20 years Chelsea positions in the Premier League going from last year. First, third, third, sixth, second, first, third, second, second, first, first, second, fourth, sixth, sixth, fifth, third, fourth, sixth. Of course, I admitted I admitted uh, 1996 because that was 11th. <laughs> and, and just having looked up now, yeah, we lost twelve games that season. Well, there and you we, go. We still could this this season, couldn't we? Yeah, we still could. Well, I mean, let's talk a bit more about that after the break. Uh, when we will, in fact, be asking, who gives a shit? Do the players? Do the manager? Does the club? Do the supporters? And we'll also be rounding up a little bit of Chelsea news on Antonio Conte, uh, who looks very much like a Godfather era. Uh, Al Pacino in my view he's got the same kind of mean stare about him and we'll also be talking about potential uh, departures from the club and uh, JT's future amongst other things we'll see you in a second (laughs) 
the only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Right, welcome back. I am Stanford Chidge and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast, the 350th edition of this show. I know, I fancy a drum roll, you know. But I mean, it's been going since... Uh, in fact, actually, the, the interesting thing is is that um, we started doing it uh, eight years ago in about a week or two's time. We started in April 2008, so... Uh, all the anniversaries are coming at once, and I am delighted on this very special show to have some great people uh, on the show tonight. Some of whom have been on it for at least, I would say, to you know, going back to as far as maybe the fiftieth to the hundredth show. Who can say? But they are Jonathan Kidd, hey, thank you. who has in, on my Skype has a, a, a strange orange uh, triangle with an exclamation mark. In it, and I'm trying to figure out what this might mean. Is it that that, that Jonathan's X-rated? He, it's like it's like a warning sign. Yes, don't speak to this man. Is what it's. Yeah, I know. It looks a bit like that. It's very odd, mate. But anyway, it's lovely to have you with us tonight. Thank you. Uh, we have the lovely Dan Sills. How are you, mate? Yeah, splendid, splendid, very good. Good stuff. And last, by no means least, a great friend of the show and a huge supporter of what we've been doing for many a year now. The wonderful Dan Levine. Hello, it's wonderful to be here as always. It's lovely to have you. It's lovely to have spend. It's lovely to spend an auspicious and wonderful occasion at the 350th show with you lot. Right, um, I can't believe how quickly that first part whizzed by. It flew by, um, which, considering we've got absolutely nothing to talk about, is a minor miracle. But um, the one thing that that, that I kind of uh, you know thought about. Um, you know, after watching that game, which I have to be honest, I was saying to the lads before we went on air, you know, I was watching it on an illegal stream and I found it really hard to watch, not because the stream was so shit, but I just kept on getting distracted. It was like, well, what's the fucking point, you know? And it really did feel like that a lot. And I had to kind of force myself to watch it, you know? And it just occurred to me, you know, what's going on here? Because it did look a little bit like, you know, the players didn't really give a shit. And bear with me, lads, because this, this ramble might go on a bit. But, you know, it looked to me like the players, you know, they were playing like they had nothing to play for. They didn't really care or they are on their way out. Whilst the youth, to be fair, looked as though they were very keen to prove themselves. And I thought that was good to see. But, you know, Goose, I mean, talk of lame ducks. I mean, you know, he it, it's almost like pointless in being there. We've now got Conte signed up. You know, he's he, he clearly doesn't give a shit about getting to Europe or getting us as high as we can. And I just wonder how much of a shit he gives. I, I think the club possibly don't give a shit. It seems pretty clear that they'd prefer to go on a US tour and earn the, you know, more dollar than play in the Europa League. Although I can understand why that might be, from a footballing point of view, probably a problem as well by getting in there. And then it kind of boils down to the supporters. And, and of course, if you look at Twitter during a game, you, you, know, you, you usually have to put yourself in a straitjacket. Um, but there was definitely a feeling of you know, I wish we could just end the season now and get on with, with next summer. And I, I do concur with that. But here comes my punchline. Um, you know, having sat and ruminated on this on Saturday evening over a bottle of wine or two, I kind of decided actually, you know, even if the supporters are the only ones who give a shit, we're quite right to. Because, you know, number one, I think it's important that we play the youth. 
Number two, I think it's important that we finish as high as we can because as a Chelsea supporter, I don't want to be coated off by God knows who fans for the next five years saying, hey, you finished 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th in 2016 because these things get remembered. Uh, also, I mean, I, I, I would actually like us to play in the Europa League. I liked winning that trophy in 2013. I like winning European trophies. In fact, fuck it, I like winning any trophy. Even the, you know, the bloody, Ang- what was it, the Anglo-French Cup in the 80s? I- I'd like trophies, and I think you- if, you- if you're going to you know, win a trophy, you need to be in the competition. But, of course, gents, the most, absolutely the most important thing in the universe on May the 2nd is to beat Spurs. We have got to beat Spurs. And some people in this football club that we love have got to get it into the heads of these players and the manager that this is more important than life and death to beat Spurs. <laughs> and, and, bravo. You know, bravo. thank Good you. Speech, Chich, I know. I did tell you it would ramble on a bit, but you did, you did. It was but a... the trouble is, Chidge, but the conundrum is, as you said, is that it, you want the youth to be played, but if we play the youth, we're not going to win any of these games. Well, okay, maybe for that game we play the best team available. Yeah, but if everybody's injured, we will be playing the youth because well, it'll be the that. same team as yesterday. Because yesterday's team had only three of the team that beat them five nil. Yeah, that's an interesting point, isn't it? I mean, you know what? I was talking, I think it might have been the London is Blue uh, pod people yesterday, but um, this has gone really under the wire, actually. But nobody's taught, and I, j'accuse the journalists here as well, Dan. Nobody, and this is where Dan says, shut up, Chidge, I wrote about this two months ago, you just didn't read it. But the feeling that I have is that the fact that Zuma got a a season-ending injury has completely gone under the wire. Nobody's thought about the impact that that's had on the side because I thought old Kurt was playing really, really well actually before he got injured. And I Shut just up, want. Chidge, I... I wrote about this two months ago and you just didn't read it. Is that for real or are you just winding me up? Because I don't remember reading it. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Right. Um, and, 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 <laughs> just like that. Yeah, I did. Just Fuck like, off. Just like that. But there's, there's, there's a big issue, of course. We might not have Zuma for the start of next season. No, exactly. A, we probably won't. Yeah, so exactly. We've got all sorts of problems. That's there. all right. We'll have John Stones then, mate. Oh God! <laughs> God help us. But um, you know, I'm mean, going back to where we were. I mean, to the point that Jonathan makes is is a cracker. Actually, it'd be really interesting to see who we who we play for Spurs. I mean, Dan, who who would you Dan Selves, Who would you like us to play against Spurs, given that they're available? That's a difficult one. I mean, it's the strongest possible team. What I am kind of hoping is by the time we play Spurs, Leicester have won the league or they don't need a point because. Uh, the way that, you know, I hate saying this. I wash my mouth. I was sick of water. The Spurs played really well yesterday. I'm sorry, guys, but uh, if we turn up anything like this season, they're, they're going to absolutely run dick us. If, you know, to be honest, that's what I'm afraid of. That's what I'm really afraid yeah, of. I, I didn't see it. I, I refused to watch it because I just knew it might upset me. Um, but by all accounts, they took Man United apart in the second half. Yeah, I might be a piss poor as well. But that 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 ten minutes, they scored three goals. I mean, I'm very worried for the first time in ages playing Spurs because they are well organised they're quick they're progressive and they won't be playing this season we're going to have a massive sea change to get a point, at least a point from them you know yes I know we beat an Arsenal twice but Arsenal we've got a soft underbelly and that's not really a, you know, a benchmark so we, we need to really really shape up for that game mm. need some serious serious you know when, it, when is it consideration uh, second second of May second. Jonathan yeah second second. Yes, Monday. Mark. Marvellously, the the authorities have decided to, to schedule a home game against Spurs for 8 o'clock in the evening on a bank holiday Monday. Yeah. No trouble there at all, lads. 
Well, I, I mean, even worse is because even though it's a bank holiday, you know, I, I, because I've got so busy down in Hampshire, um, I, I've had to, you know, basically I can't go to any midweek matches, even if it's on a bank holiday on a Monday, because I have to, you know, do stuff here very early on a Tuesday morning. So I can now no longer go. So I am actually spitting teeth at the fact that I am, you know, thanks to Sky, I'm having to miss, you know, what is the most important match this season in many respects, because it is. It spurs Period. We even without anything else, it's one of the most important matches of the season for home matches of the season for us. But then you actually factor in that, you know, by beating them we could deny them winning the title, and if we don't beat them, they still have a sniff. I mean, it's bad enough to lose to Spurs any time, but if we lose to them and they go on and win the title, and I've been I've been saying this to people for weeks who argue about. Who would you rather like not win the title, Arsenal or Spurs? It's Spurs every time. I mean, just just because they've been quiet with us for twenty odd years, can you imagine the pent up arrogance that they're going to have if they win the title in a season where we've been so abject? It doesn't bear thinking about, does it, Jonathan? No, they will be uh, unbelievably objectionable, mm. won't they? They'll be uh, so fond of themselves. But I, I don't actually have this have the because I'm a bit older than you, Chidge, as I've said this before, I don't... I, I don't. You, you, your hatred is for Preston North End, isn't it? No, my, funnily enough, it's almost, is they're not far away, it's for Leeds, of course. Leeds, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, so, yeah. so uh, you know, we all hate Leeds and Leeds But and you know, Leeds, you so. know the irony of that, though, Jonathan, is that actually people who... You can define the age of a Chelsea supporter in terms of who they dislike most yes, as their yes. rival. And, and actually, I, and the, I, the hatred of Spurs came before Leeds. Because it's all down to the '67 Cup final, which Apparently. I was which I was present at yeah. with my father. Um, no, I didn't hate them because of that. Because we was we were supposed to win it, and we just yeah. didn't play very well. Yeah. I remember Frank Saul's goal and Robertson's goal to this day. Unfortunately, the, both goals. I don't remember Bobby Tamley's goal because my father had whisked me away because mm. um, we were playing so badly. Um, but uh, yes, no, my, and I, I was always very fond of the the Spurs supporters because they they. Um, uh, they were very, very sympathetic over Matthew Harding's death because uh, we played them on the day that Matthew Harding... Yes, had... well, I was there. Yeah. Surprisingly <laughs> so, actually, in many respects. Yeah. They were very well behaved, weren't they? Well, 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 well. Well. I mean, not the one, you know, uh, supporters playing well should be just, should happen regardless. But uh, in this particular instance, because there's such enmity between the two lots of supporters. But, um, but I must admit, I did have great joy at the lane when we beat them 6-1. And to see them all milling around afterwards, looking for any Chelsea fan they could possibly hit, was um, and uh, and all the Chelsea fans keeping their heads very down but giggling to themselves <laughs> uh, was a great moment for me. But um, but uh, yeah, no, so I, yeah, I, no, I understand what you're saying, Chidge. But mm. but the thing is, if nobody's available, if everybody's injured still, we will have a very weak team, and I'm afraid we'll be rolled over. I know it's really really worrying. I mean, I, I I'll tell you what what. You know, I kind of thought what my my team for the rest of the season would be, and I'll explain why, and I'll read it out to you. I would play Begovic, but that's because I don't like the big-nosed Belgian wanker that we have in goal. He's become a big-nosed Belgian wanker, yeah, hasn't he? he has. But I'd play Begovic because I like Begovic, and actually, frankly, I think Begovic has played as well as he has this season. Baba, because I think, you know, you've got to find out if he can do it or not, and this is the best time to find out whether he can do it or not. And I think there are signs that he's getting more confident. Um, given that both JT and um, Cahill are likely to be out injured, uh, I would pursue Matt Miazga because, again, um, you know, given that he might get a bit of support in future games, you've got to find out if he can do it or not. 
Branner because you've got no other choice as well. I mean, you know, basically that that that's who we've got fit and available. Aspie picks himself, Mikel picks himself, Fabregas picks himself. Uh, and then, you know, going forwards, I would uh, pick Kennedy, who I love the look of. Uh, and I would pick uh, Loftus-Cheek in effectively the number 10 role. Willian on the right, uh, because I think he's had enough rest and he needs to come back. He's not injured, is he, folks? No, no, okay. yeah. I think I think he's on a short trip to Panama. Is he? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, talking to his accountant. Yes. Um, and, of course, I would start Traore up front. Um, you know, I mean, fuck Pedro, um, sorry, Pato and, and Falcao. I know Costa's uh, probably due back soon. But, uh, again, you know, this is this is the unique ch- chance we have to try these guys. And, you know, I mean, you can have Costa and Pedro and et all on the bench, you know, if you need them. But that's what I would do, which kind no of goes... Oscar. No Oscar oh, at all in your fuck team. Fuck him off totally. I've had it with him. I really... <laughs> no, I have. The, the, guy, the guy's more interested in selfies than his bloody sisters. I mean, you know, I, I've, I've ranted on this show and other shows about this forever and a day. Uh, you know, Oscar's without doubt one of the most disappointing players I've ever seen play at Chelsea. You know, when he first came, I thought, my God, this is the heir apparent to Frank Lampard. This could be one of the best players in the world in two years' time. He scored two fantastic goals against Juventus, and he's done absolutely naff all since. And and there's just something wrong. I mean, you know, he, he is not trained on in four years. And I've and I and that what finished it for me was that Sunderland match when he turned up and put in a world world class performance when he'd been like hiding, you know, behind the shadows for the entire season. And I, I've just frankly. I'm, you know, I I'm angry because I'm so disappointed and I feel cheated by him. But I, I he he's the first out of the door for me. I've got to be honest. I'm going to take small issue with something that uh, Jonathan said earlier about Oscar, and he was saying that that he was very disappointed seeing him on the right and how little he gave to the game. There was something far far worse than that I thought, and that was the sight of Oscar in the middle in the holding role where he absolutely looked completely lost and had no idea where what position he was even supposed to be playing. Um, was that in the second half? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah after yeah. after Mikel turned into Paolo Maldini. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but you know, he he just has no positional discipline. He just doesn't appear to be want to be on want to be on the pitch. Well, he does, is... he does, he does. He just wants to do nutmegs. Well, yeah, I suppose that's all that, he yeah. wants to do. Just do nutmegs and. Oh, you know. And what's, what's very interesting about Oscar is that every time I say anything critical about him on Twitter, there's this whole army of people who, who watch him on Match of the Day who say, oh, he's a magnificent player because they see sort of 20 seconds of his game where he does those nutmegs and he looks fantastic. And they don't see the other 89 minutes and 40 seconds where he does nothing. Well, I mean, I, I desperately... Does, look, you know, I, just go back about 100 episodes, I suppose. But, I mean, you know, I, I loved the guy and I was desperate... For him to be the next big thing, and I genuinely—I mean, God—it was the times when we had um, the lovely guys from Brazil, Felipe, coming on the show, and he, mm. you know, he had great inside knowledge about Oscar. And uh, Joe, the blue on Mixler, says that you know, uh, Brazil's youth uh, were built entirely—you uh, know, were built entirely around him—and I can understand that. But you know, he's not doing it for Chelsea, and he hasn't looked like doing it for a long time, and I don't see him doing it in the future. And you know the other. The, I think the corollary of this is that now we've got all these youth players coming through. Would you rather have a disinterested and underperforming, inconsistent Oscar giving another chance, or give it to a chance for somebody who might actually care about the club? For me, that's a no-brainer. Hundred percent. Couldn't 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 disagree at all. Listen, we've got another about ten minutes of this part left, and uh, as we've got you on the show, Dan, it would be very rude of us not to kind of find out what's actually going on in that world that they call football that, that, <laughs> that none of us normally have any interest in, in or know anything about um, but there's been some really quite hilarious stories kicking around this week 
uh, the first one, uh, which I noticed, I think uh, this was in all of the Sundays, wasn't it? But apparently uh, Chelsea have put a price tag on Eden Hazard of 80 million and there are apparently there are no takers. <laughs> what? Well, well, what a surprise, really. Um, <laughs> I, would, I would imagine anything north of 50 million quid and, and Eden is on his way to Paris. Really? I, I can't see that anything up around the 80 million is going to be available. Just not going to happen. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, you, you, would... Would you would you cut and run on him at that sort of price? Fifty million quid's a lot of money. No, because you look at his previous what was it four or five seasons at Lille at Chelsea. He's had one bad season. He's played back to back for five years. He's had a bad season, a very bad team. He's been carrying injuries. I'd like to see him have one more season with us and just see if we can get the, you know the real Eden Hazard back. Because last year the double player of the year award, also what great great player he is. And he's, he's had some he's had some fair criticism and some unfair criticism. I'd like to give him another chance because he's he's only twenty four, and the talent is without doubt there. Perhaps as Dan said, the past mentality may be lacking, but fifty million quid are still, especially if he turns out to be, mm. you know, a, a top 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 player because it, then he becomes an eighty million pound player. I'm inclined to agree with that, Dan. Uh, Jonathan, what do you think? It's tricky, isn't it, to know what it to is. do? He might. Um... He might have another dreadful season. He might be shot. That may be it. He might. Um, I mean, how's he? Does he? Did he play for Belgium recently? Did he go when he went there? Did he? Was he still injured? No, I think he was injured, wasn't he, uh, Dan? I think so. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I think yeah. he was out. Yeah. Yeah, I think he was out. I think. I mean, he's out injured now. I mean, he's got that hip problem. Oh, completely that hip yeah. thing. But yeah. you, you know, do you take the gamble? I mean, the thing is, that we've spoken every year. Um, uh, it's the last two years I've been on, you've always said. Let's get rid of Oscar. He's going to be one who's going to go. He's never done anything. And each year, he's still there. I know. I know. And, and I wonder Claiming his love, dying love for the club in the process. Yes, exactly, he does. I know. And in fact, he was interviewed on Chelsea TV saying how he thought we'd played very well in the second half and, and deserved to win. Oh, um, bless him. But, yeah, yeah, bless him. But um, uh, Conte may say, no, I can make something of him. He's essential. And also, yeah. you, you talking about the youth coming through... Conte may say, um, I'm not interested in the youth. I'm sorry. I need to buy yeah. the following four players. And we, all these efforts at making all these players work um, uh, may just prove a, a complete waste of time. If he, Unless, of course, he's already in cahoots with Goose and has said, I'm interested in the following players um, playing a, a regular part next season. Well, I think, I think that was uh, apparently... One of that was one of the reasons for Begovic playing. I think between well, the... to give him a go, but to me, well, no, no, to to, to give him some. I th- I think there was an underlying an theme that a lot of people are getting a game at the moment, so that Conte has some footage of seeing what they're like. Am I right with that, Dan? Well, I think I think certain undertakings were given yeah. to Begovic when he came in that, that he was going to get a lot more football than he has done, um, and and I think Begovic has been making noises that hello, you know, mm. I might not fancy staying if I'm not yeah. going to play at all. Well, him, him, um, and him and most of the squad, from what I understand. Yeah. Uh, talking of which, just just to kind of finish up on the Hazard thing, um, I I wouldn't give up on I would give up on Oscar, but I wouldn't give up on Hazard because. You know, I, I, the the kid's been phenomenal every season he's played football until this season, and I think that there have been underlying injuries. Um, I, put it, put, let me put it in a very succinct way. I think there are much bigger shits at Chelsea Football Club than Eden Hazard. I would give the man a chance because a talent like that, if you can get the best out of him, and I and I believe we possibly still could, then you want to keep him. And I think Dan Silva's made a great point. You know, if you undersell him, you know, you see, I mean, look what happened with De Bruyne. I mean, you you could see that happening uh, double fold if, if if we sold Eden Hazard to Real Madrid or whoever. So I would keep him. I, 
I just think there's an issue there with the hazard that it may not necessarily be in our hands. I think that there's a very, very good chance that the player and his people may have already have ideas of being somewhere else. Um, so, you know, when it comes down to that, then it becomes a matter of maximising revenue. You can't change Absolutely. the Well, yeah. you know, I, I, you'll hear me say this later on in the interview with Jason, but, you know, my, my, my stance on this is absolutely clear. If you don't want to play for Chelsea Football Club, I don't want you anywhere near us. You know, shut the door on the way out. I don't care how good you are. If you don't want to play for the, for me, the supporters and, and and the shirt, then I don't want to have you at the club. That, that was Ferguson's big thing, wasn't it? Every yeah. time. Well, me and Alec Ferguson are like that, as you know, Jonathan. You know. Was it Alan Ferguson? No, no, Alec. You know, I taught him <laughs> everything right. he knows. You know about management and leadership, as you well know. Uh, and drinking. And drinking. Oh, put a tush. Well done. Yes, me and me and me and uh, Fergie do like a bottle of claret. That's for you sure. You haven't got the red nose yet, though. Chief. Can I? Can you tell? Can I tell you my great Ferguson joke? As it's our three hundred fiftieth show, yeah. I, I interviewed Henry Winter for a football show many years ago. Good ten years ago now. And uh, it was around the. He was talking. He was t- telling me anecdotally about a story he heard around the time that United went off and played in the World Football thing when they, you know, bunked off the uh, FA Cup. And uh, he he was uh, talking. He was talking. There was a press conference for Ferguson, and he just made the most unbelievable um, uh, team selection. I think it might have been when we had a. They had to play a certain, or they they could only play a certain number of foreigners in the United team. So it might have been kind of mid nineties, and he, he apparently he, he dropped uh, Cantona and Schmeichel and a few others, and and the press, the, including Henry, were all there, and they were just like, "But what are you doing? What's going on? What's going on?" And the way Henry tells it, he said, and Ferguson turned round and said, "Never second guess the mind of a madman," as he left <laughs> munching on a Jaffa cake. <laughs> so there you go. Anyway, that's my Alec Ferguson joke. Enough already. Uh, Costa, um, Dan, um, you know, is he standing or going? What's going on with that? That's another difficult one, isn't it? Because there's been a lot of stuff saying both things might be happening. Um, the, the club uh, uh, want to point out that he's not unhappy, that he doesn't want to go away, um, that he wants to give it another go. But there are plenty of words come from other places and quite good places saying that he thinks he's persecuted in England, yeah. that he, he doesn't really fancy it, that he, he, he wants he wants shot at the Premier League more than Chelsea. Um, so basically one of Conte's biggest jobs is persuading him that that is not the case, that Chelsea is the place where he needs to spend his future. And I don't know about you, I think he's one of the most important players in that squad for where we go next season. Well, I think him and Hazard, actually, to be fair, because you, you, don't, get, you don't get talents like Hazard coming around too often. You don't get strikers with the kind of presence of Costa coming around too often. So I'd say both of those two are, are, are very important to us. And I would... He's got to learn, though, that to, not to respond to being yeah. wound up all the time, somehow. Yeah. Yes. I know it's part of his game, but he, he the Everton game was a perfect example to me of how he lost it. Yeah. Because ah. they, they, what was it, nine separate players committed nine separate fouls on him. So it was a de- deliberate ploy by Everton to wind him up. But in his defence, first time he's been sent off because yeah. normally he doesn't get. No, he get, he gets but it's still, just, it's still it, happened, Dan. It's it does, but he gets aggravated. He gets, a, I know, he gets his yellow card, and he seems to calm down and seems to just, just play on the edge. He's he got booked what nine times this season. First red card. So I think the performance, the fact we're going to the FA Cup, he snapped. But generally, he'll he'll he'll, he'll be costly. He'll get a yellow card, and that's it. Then the histrionics tend to die down a bit. But I think. As I said, he's he's a very important player. And just Dan might be able to answer this one. If Hazard was told, like, listen, you'll be our main man, stuff your defensive duties because we play a slightly different formation, do you think that might have an impact on his 
decisions or or not? Or is it not um, I mean, basically, what you're saying is taking the Mourinho duties off his shoulders. Um, yeah. It's an interesting one. Um, I, I, you see, I think the draw of Paris in particular is going to be very, very strong for Eden Hazard this summer. Um, I think um, certainly some people around him have got it into their their heads that um, that that you know it's the place where he's, he's a French-speaking kid. You know, he's grown up looking at Paris all his life, hasn't he? Um, and you know, he's there's, there's a suggestion he can have a very, very comfortable life there, and he can have not just the defensive duties taken off his shoulders, but the absolute kicking he gets in the Premier League taken off. Yeah, okay, he was the most he was the most fouled player when he was in France, but that's a completely different ballpark to what he gets in in, in the Premier League. Yeah. Um. So difficult one. Mm. It is indeed. Um. Just very quickly, because there is a trilogy of this really, and and we'll try and do this as quickly as we can because we need to to move on. Um, the other one is 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 Courtois. I mean, you know, he, he came out with some injudicious comments. I know that the, there's a massive penchant for uh, being misquoted, but you know, it happens a lot, and it happens to the Belgian lads particularly for it to be too much of a coincidence, Dan. But you know, he seemed to cast doubt on whether he might be here next season or not. Is there, is there any validity to that? It, it, it looks that way. Um, it, it looks very much like um, Courtois has already got ideas somewhere else, um, and you know, I, th- I think. There is significance in the fact that 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 um, that people have uh, that the Hiddink has bent over backwards to now to to get um, Begovic involved mm. um, because you know potentially you might lose both keepers. Um, but uh, well, no. that that tells me if you read between those lines, that tells me that Courtois is off because if he's trying if he's playing Begovic in the hope that Begovic might stay, you're right. It's saying he's given up on Courtois staying, so we do need to keep one of them uh, because we can't end up with no goalkeepers. I think you've got a point there. Yeah, and I, the, the talk there is of, of some sort of bid around, well, valuation around the 100 million euro mark. So I think it's 73 million quid. Now, I, th- I think most people for that sort of money, although we've invested so many years in Courtois, most people would fly him off there, you know, well, for 100 million euros. I'd drive, yeah. it, I'd drive in there myself. Be pe- let's, be- let, let's be frank, he's been really average. Well, do you know what? There's a lad called B. Pacheco 12 or Mixler who I think can sum it up for us beautifully, Jonathan, although I will allow you to add to it. He says, still can't believe we sold Czech to Arsenal for this wank job. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, buy Czech back. Well, I, I, think that, I think that ship sailed. Jonathan, you were going to say something before I rudely interrupted you. No, it was it was along those lines. Yes. Of, of, of I, I thought the dilemma is, is to me, Debegovic is still a second, second goalkeeper because he still makes... I, I can't believe that... Uh, um, Footballers who spend all week practicing um, tamely kick the ball out of goal straight to um, uh, the opposition midfield player in, in about thirty well, yards, which Joe Begovic Hart does, did. And he's England's goalkeeper. Did. I know, I know, but I know he does as well. I know, I know. But, but we've, um, got, we've gone from last season having two first choice goalkeepers to this season having two second choice, second choice goalkeepers. Can I just make one point yeah, about, sure. about Hazard as well? I think the point you made about being kicked is I wonder actually if he got scared this season. Mm. Because the process of constantly going in and being kicked very hard, we don't actually think in the terms of, you know, every time I played Sunday football, you know, I thought, oh, bloody, I've been kicked about three times. I don't like it. If he's being kicked consistently, very nastily by Mm. top hatchet men, it might just do his head in. It might be that he's thought, I can't bear this anymore. And part of that has been part of his nature. So the actual process of taking people on and being side down is something that he can't deal with anymore. And that's why, as you say, he'd like to go to um, a, a league where he will be fouled, but not as viciously. 
I think that's a really good point, Jonathan, and I think it adds a lot of credence to my uh, sadly very, you know, uh, underestimated theory on Chelsea and life in general, which is that we should henceforth make sure that we never sign any players from Belgium, Spain <laughs> or Brazil, and then you'll solve the problem. I just want hard bastards from Eastern Europe or Italy and England. Well, I actually it Scotland. means that everybody we buy has to come from Scotland. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to be that shit. We don't want to end up in the third division. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Mate. That, that Big Doug Rugby, yeah, love. <laughs> we know, I'll tell you what we should do. We need to get Ca- John Spencer. I need to go and get do an interview with Canners and, and basically dedicate most of it to him talking about Doug Rugby because so, he's told us so many stories about Dougie. Uh, that never made it on air because they usually after we've poured a few drinks down his face after the show but never mind right I'm sadly well I could go on for another hour talking about the ins and the outs and what's going on particularly as we've got Dan here but sadly we we need to move on to other things and after this very short break we we will have a very special interview with another hoofing centre-back that played for Chelsea Uh, didn't didn't kick people quite as effectively as big Doug Ruby uh, but he's nonetheless lovely and a great mate of mine on the show. And he is Jason Cundy. And we recorded him earlier this week. And I asked him about this season, uh, Antonio Conte arriving and what ha- needs to be done this summer. We will be uh, hearing from Jason after this short break. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy. And you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com Right, I'm delighted to have on the line uh, a great mate of mine, uh, a superb 
broadcaster in his own right, uh, star of stage screen and the wonderful, wonderful sports bar show on TalkSport, and of course well known to you lot on Chelsea TV, and of course well lot to anybody who was around in the 80s when Jace played for Chelsea. Jason Cundy on the Chelsea Fancast, again, far too long time, mate. <laughs> what a build-up that is. <laughs> you know me, you did pay me before, to be fair. Yeah, exactly, yes, indeed. Check went for us, didn't uh, How are you, mate? You well? I'm very well, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, been a strange old season, right? Well, um, it has actually. Yeah, I was, I was going to kick off with that. I mean, I mean, with, with with absolute honesty, I don't think anybody could have predicted how awful this season was going to be. But I mean, are you surprised how badly it's gone? Yeah, I, I didn't see this coming at all. Um, the warning signs were there though in pre-season, and, and I, I watched all the games. We didn't play particularly well. Um, which doesn't necessarily mean the season's going to be bad. Um, in, in our double-winning season of, of, of 10, we, we, we didn't win a pre-season game then either, apparently. But we didn't keep a clean sheet, we didn't play well. And I felt that, looking back, that was one of the big reasons as to why our season's been so bad. Pre-season wasn't planned particularly well. We come back a lot later than clubs. I know we had a demanding season the year before, and Jose recognised that and I think he know, knew that he, he flogged the, the players physically and mentally the squad itself wasn't rotated an awful lot last season um, and you could pretty much you know, you, we all knew the side that was going to play uh, he didn't have to support Chelsea you knew Chelsea's 11 and he didn't rotate it a great deal and I think he knew that um, and the pre-season come back later I think there were some teams that had played two games some three before we even come back um, and that was the beginning, I think, of, of, uh, of the troubles. We didn't start well. Uh, the Swansea game um, wasn't particularly great. Again, we conceded two goals on that day. Then the, the debacle away at Manchester City. And from then on in, we, we never recovered. And I did not see this coming at all. No, I think... I mean, you know, it's interesting, isn't it, when we a lot of us look back at the pre-season, but in reality... I think a lot of us could see that we were running out of gas from kind of early spring onwards to the to the you know the title win, but you're right. I don't think anybody could have uh, seen us play no. as badly as we had. I mean, look, you know, if you're going to put your finger on it, what's been the biggest disappointment this season? Just the way we played, really. Um, there's been games at times where we haven't played particularly, even last season, but we managed somehow to have the courage, the spirit and the determination to get something out of the game this season I was I would go to Stamford Bridge and, and fear getting to, getting beat not so much now, but you would fear and if, if I felt that as a fan um, maybe the players felt it as well, and also the opposition knew they could come and, and, and take points off us and it, it never seemed to get any better you, you know, there was no, even under Jose, I didn't want to see Jose sacked right? and mm. I get the reasons why but there was there wasn't any green shoots of recovery. We, you know, it, it took us until a couple of weeks ago to win our first back-to-back games yeah. in the Premier League. And, and you know, there was listen the players themselves, every single one of them except for William has not improved from last year. There were substandard performances, and I put it down to Courtois, Brenner, and JT eventually got his season going. As for Quetta, the two goals against against Leicester away, allowing Mares. To, to come inside and that ball that was whipped in you know things like that there was we were conceding goals that were so unchelsea like and teams come in come with no fear and, mm-hmm. and, and they, they put us to the sword and it was it's been a really 
frustrating, but it, there's so many things, Chibs, that I can't put it on one thing. There's a number of reasons. No, you're right. Eden Hazard's, Eden Hazard's performances this season I, have I, been way below, way below what, what he's capable of. I think well, one day one of my, one of our chums will probably write a book about it in the way that they wrote about some of the crap stuff in the 80s but I mean funnily enough yeah. having, having said that you know I, I know what you mean I mean it's the first time in years I've gone to the bridge and thought we're not going to do this we're going to lose no. today but in no. a funny sort of sense it's kind of you know reconnected me back to, to Chelsea in a weird way because I go there now not knowing what's going to happen and for a lot of the last 10 years you could get pissed in the pub stroll up you know <laughs> almost have half asleep during the game knowing that you were going to win and, and, and there have been games this season I remember the Everton 3-3 well, mm. I, I don't think I've been as pumped up for a game like that coming out as I have been for years because you just didn't know what was going to happen. Do you know what? You're not alone in that. A lot of Chelsea fans say that too. Uh, of course, I remember the 80s and, and, and 90s as well. You were there, um, mate. Where I was, I was part of that rubbish that we were just discussing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the Everton game, that's the most excited I've been yeah. about this season. That goal, you know, at the very... OK, JT was offside, but... It was unbelievable, and you look back over our season. That was a draw, by the way. We yeah. you know, we were celebrating the draw like a victory. Yeah. Um, but that at that period, there was a little bit more fight and spirit about us then mm. um, that we didn't really see in the latter weeks, months of of Jose's reign. Um, but you're right. You know, this is you know a lot of Chelsea fans remember those days. You know, back in back in the seventies and the eighties and, and the nineties when things weren't going well. But we have become spoiled. As Chelsea yeah. fans, we are spoiled, and I don't think it's going to do us as a club or fans any harm this season. Um, yes, I want to get back to the top of the table. Yes, I want to win silverware, and this will go down as one of the most disappointing seasons of recent times. But it may well be a season we look back on and think, let's let's improve on that. Let's let's make sure that doesn't happen again. Let's make sure we make those signings. Right. You know, the club, the player, it's not just the players. The, the way the club has our transfer policy over the last eighteen months to two years. Parts that have been good, parts that have been absolutely shocking. Yeah. Absolutely shocking. Um, and now's the time to draw a line under it, move on from this season. There's still some big games to come, by the way, this season. Let's, let's get that right. But let's let's make sure we learn from those mistakes. That's, that's a good point you make there, as I, as I would fully expect from you, mate. But um, it's a good question, that. I mean, how culpable... I mean, everybody was very quick to blame the, blame the players and, mm. and a lot of people, you know, had the finger out for Jose. But, I mean, how, how culpable have the club been? I mean, particularly with the transfers... And I'd, so, I'd also say the management, I mean, you alluded to it with the pre-season, but, you know, for me, I think the commercial tail has been wagging the playing dog for the last couple of years, and it's not good. Listen, we, we win collectively as uh, the, 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 the board, the owner, the manager, chief exec, the, the scouts, the players, the fans, we all win collectively. And when we, when we lose, we've got to look around and, and, and say, why, why has this happened? Why has this season been so bad? And there are so many, I mean, you can't point the finger in one direction. Mm. There's a number of directions you can point out. And everyone connected with the club that I just mentioned are culpable. Yeah. Everyone. And, and this is a time for reflection. This is a mm. time to ensure that those mistakes aren't made. I mean, we were chasing John Stones last season. And it, it, there was a period where it looked like we were going to get him. And then all of a sudden you thought, this ain't going to happen. Mm. And pl where was plan B? There wasn't a plan B. That that was a big problem. And you look at some of the signings that we have made, they've not been of the standards. Philippe Luiz has gone back to Atletico Madrid. And we've been, you know, he's been paid, he's been replaced with substandard. And yeah. that's, that's been an issue. There's been a number of other targets that weren't, that weren't made, uh, mm. that were identified that we didn't get over the line. Um, that needs to be looked at. Uh, but, 
everyone's to, everyone's to blame. Everyone, we win collectively and we lose collectively. Mm, good point. Um, before we get into what's going to happen with, with Summer, and obviously, you know, the, the news this week that we've just... Uh, got Conte on board um yeah. do you think do you think Gus Goose has done a good a decent job I mean that's 15 matches now unbeaten which is I think the, the best in the Premier League this season so it's it's kind of a a funny two-sided thing with Goose isn't it because he, he's done well but on the other hand has he really his record when you when you put it down like that unbeaten mm. uh in you know, domestic football other than the FA Cup in the league unbeaten which needs to be looked at and said well done too many draws um, not enough I think not enough picking up points at home I think there's been a number of games you think we could have taken three points there or should have done he's coming to put fires out and I think this has been a difficult time for him and I think overall he's done a good job um, could have done better but he's picked up what was a dreadful season when he picked up I think he was I think he was 16 when he, when he, when he first arrived we're now 10th as we speak mm. And we moved up that table. It's been steady progress. It's been slow progress. But he's had he's had to to deal with a, a dysfunctional squad, um, a squad that's been low on confidence, players not playing. You you can't flick a switch. You can't just do that. And this squad is not as good as the squad that he had last time he was here. You look at the players that we had back then, the quality we had back then, the characters we had back then, the leaders we had back then. This squad does not have any of that in the same same amount of strength and depth that he had before mm. so I don't think just look at him look at the, what he's had to pick up um, we've missed him we've missed Frank we've missed Ashley we've missed Czech um, JT is still there we'll talk about him in a second I'm guessing um, I, I think you know it marks out a 10 I, I would give him a 7 mm. I think that's fair enough I mean you know personally I mean I like Goose and I think he's done what he had to do which was to yeah. you know steady a very very unsettled uh, club, Absolutely. let alone let alone team, and you know to expect him to do what he did last time is is massively unrealistic. Not least because I don't think we have as good players. Um, anyway, like looking forward to the summer. It's obviously going to be a huge summer. I think arguably our biggest summer since Roman turned up. Um, yeah. Can we bounce back, or is this a bit of a terminal decline? We can bounce back. I think we need to get real as fans now about where we set our sights. Um, I thought we were the time again this year. I really did, um, and. <clears throat> For the reasons we've explained now looking back we were nowhere we were miles off we are where we are because we deserve to be there next season there needs to be a number of changes that inevitably will happen players will need to leave there will need to be some recruitment um, not just with the checkbook I'd like to see some of the players that have been out on loan mm. come back and given an opportunity some of the younger players which has been a big failing of this football club for the last decade we haven't done that anywhere near anywhere near what we should have done there's been a splattering of young players coming through the, the academy have and continue to produce excellent young footballers mm. that aren't given an opportunity um, Deli Alley you know where was Deli Alley yeah. you know, this time you know, this time last year Loftus Cheek was miles ahead of him now you look at Deli Alley he's been given a chance to express himself two, two good players two excellent players Deli Alley's flourished through no fault of his own I mean maybe you could you could perhaps say when the opportunity was presented, did he really take it, Loftus Cheek? Well, I saw him against Villa, and okay, it was against a, 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 a poor Villa side, but you saw signs there of a young man that, that wants to express himself, that has, a, has plenty to give. So, I think we need to get real. Um, I think the most, re realistically, what my target should be next season is to get back into the Champions League. Mm. That should be, Silverware would be lovely. But top four is where we've got to aim at. Well, according to Arsenal, coming fourth is a trophy, Jace, so you know. 
well, you know. I'd sell yeah, for it at I, the moment. I really would. Arsenal, I mean, whenever you think of Arsenal, Wenger, every year he's got them in, in Champions League football. That's, you know, that, that, yeah. I don't care about Arsenal, but, you know, in itself, that is a pretty good record. Yeah. The fact they've only won two FA Cups in the last, well, since 2004, you know, one more than Wigan. You know, that's, I wouldn't want it. I wouldn't want that. I mean, no. you know, there's Arsenal fans over there gaze enviously at Chelsea's last decade. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they would take one season of our season to have half the trophies we've had. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, obviously, you know, this week we, it was announced that Conte is going to be our, our new manager. And, you know, there's obviously already been a lot written about what he's like and also a lot written about what he's what he's going to do. I mean, you know, A, what do you think of the appointment of Conte and, and how do you think he might do? Firstly, I'm glad it's been uh, announced now. Mm. Um, I didn't want this dragging into the Euros. It was a fear of mine that we dragged into the Euros. Um Every appointment is a risk. I don't care what anyone says. Um, every appointment of any manager is a risk. There's no guaranteed success. There's no guaranteed formula. Hard work, and everyone has got to be put in the same direction. I get the feeling he will have all of those at the very, very top level. He'll be working hard. He's, he's a, he demands an awful lot of this squad. Um, the way that he sets his sides up, he's defensively incredibly strong. His, his record defensively is unbelievable. At Juve, his, his win uh, success rate was and 70% at, at one stage. So he knows what he's doing. He's walking into a squad that's 10th. Let's get that right. So you can't turn it around overnight, mm. as, as I've said. The recruitment policy is going to be key, absolutely key this year. You made a great point. Under Roman, this is the biggest season yet. When we first came in, don't forget, we, we finished in the Champions League spots when Roman yeah. turned up. And there was all those acquisitions some really good players but we saw a lot of money was thrown at it this is different we're 10 mm. we're not fourth this is we're 10 so that's, well, you need to be realistic about this um, but I'm delighted he's coming he's a young manager that's got you get the feeling he's got something to prove he's done it in Italy he's done ever so well as Italian coach I kind of hope they get knocked out early just so that we can <laughs> we can have him and have his full attention but on the flip side if he does well with Italy and they go on and do very well it may have that bounce we, we may actually be um, get the benefit of that yeah. so it's difficult to, to predict I want to make but him, him alone Chidge the, the, the backroom staff have got to make sure these the, the targets are met because he's going to be busy throughout the summer yeah I mean you know the one, the one slight worry I've heard and I, I think this is given the context of of, of the, the palpable discord apparently between Mourinho and the players the slight worry is that he, he's quite you know, he's a disciplinarian. He's going to stick it to the players, uh, and how might they respond? Is that a slight concern? I wouldn't. I wouldn't be concerned. I think Jose had his own way. Jose's strength turned out to be his weakness. Mm. He he trusted his players so much, and he he. When you've got the trust of Jose, it must you must feel the most euphoric in your career. We know as fans what it was like when we trust. You know, when he was winning, when he was doing things. You know, everything he touched turned to gold. When that fails. When that method fails, where where else do you go? And I think that was the problem, that he demanded so much that he had the players on side. When those players start to turn or when they perhaps don't trust him or believe him or they keep doing the same thing, that turned out to be his weakness. Now, Conte's coming in. No one's heard his voice. No one knows his, his tactics. No one knows he's going to play three at the back, whether he's going to play five, whether he's going to go four, four, two, four, two, four, as he's done in the past. No one knows. It's an exciting time. And these players will know because there's a rebuilding period, these players are going to have to get on side or ship out. So I, I'm, I think that we need someone strong. I really do to guide us through that uh, through next season. Out, out of these choppy waters that we've become accustomed to seeing over the last decade, 
So I, I think we needed someone with a really firm hand. Yeah, I mean, you know, talking of, I mean, I think you've got it in one. I mean, I think what's happening is that the transition that we've been kind of in and out of for about the last four or five seasons is really, really come home to roost. So we actually now need somebody who can rebuild the club. And his track record of doing that for Juventus was, was second to none. In fact, I mean, I don't think there are many managers out there who potentially can rebuild the club quite as effectively as this this lad looks as though he could do. Well, Juve's success over the last two or three years since he's moved on was, was built on the foundations that he put in at that football club. Um, in Europe, he, didn't, he wasn't as successful. Three Scudettos back-to-back. Mm. Now, that takes some doing. And now yeah. he had some top-class players. And we're going to need some top-class players to get back into, into those top four positions. Um, but the, the, the challenge is there. This is a, you know, he's coming into Chelsea a little bit like Jose did back in, uh, back in 04 with a blank canvas. We'd never won yeah. the title. You know, we hadn't, we hadn't won, we hadn't, you know, hadn't really done anything in the Champions League. You know, we had a, that, that, that great season back in, uh, back in the, the 90s. And of course, when we, when the season before Jose turned up, when we got knocked out against Monaco in the semi-final. But this is now, this, now we haven't won this in, this season. So we, we start with a blank canvas. It's not like he's walking into a side that have just won the Champions League or just won the, the, the FA Cup or just won the League Cup. Blank canvas. Here's what you've got. You're going to give him a checkbook. You've got the squad. That the, the nucleus of this squad still a champions right now, believe it or not. Yeah. So there's quality in there still. He's going to his job. That's why he's going to pay the big bucks is to get the best out of everyone. Mm. I mean, talking of shaping up or shipping out, and I think that's going to be perhaps one of the most interesting things before we start next season in, in terms of who comes in and who goes out. I mean, who, who first of all, who do you think should go out? The first thing we need to do is. Give John Terry a new contract. Hallelujah. That's the, that's, that's the first step he need, He needs, in my opinion, he needs to make. Now, that's not guaranteed. I've said since John, John came out and made the, the, the statement the club weren't going to give him a contract, I'm always being and remain co- confident that John will still be here next season. Hmm. I think the club have decided at the time not to, to give John a contract until the new manager came in. I think Conte will look around and realise, actually, we still we lack leaders. Yeah. At, and, and there's been times this season we've looked around and you'd like two or three more John Terry's on the pitch. And we had them in Frank, Didier, Ashley, Czech, as I've already mentioned. So I think that would be one of the first things he does. In terms of players going, if a player wants to leave, let him go. Yeah. Get the best for him. I, I don't want a player at Chelsea that... And some players, you know, football doesn't work like... When I spoke to my dad the other day and my dad was saying... You know, these players have got Chelsea into them. They're going to have to get them out of it. Football doesn't work like that. That, that just doesn't work like that. It's a romantic view. Eden Hazard, if he wants to go and play Champions League football and he feels that his future is outside Chelsea, if he really wants to go, thank him for what he's done, move on, get top dollar for him and move him on. The same with Costa. Same with any other player, but you've got to get top money for them. Do not let these players go for a song and the club won't. The, the club have proved, actually, some of the players they have sold in David Luiz, okay, Lukaku's turned out to be a very good player. Um, 28 million at the time seemed yeah. and was very good money. Uh, Schurler, could we have held on to him? We got good money for him. Kevin De Bruyne has turned in a 50 million pound player. Do we get good money at the time? Okay, maybe maybe he could have stayed. I would like to have seen both of those um, stay. But um, there's a number of players that have got to come in positions. I mean, if we end up playing three at the back wing-back areas are going to be crucial. Yeah. And I'm looking at Aspilicueta, I'm looking at Branner. Are they wing-backs? No. no. Is Kennedy a wing-back? Yes. yes. So, so all of a sudden, Kennedy, because of, of, of what he's got under the bonnet, might turn out to be 
a valuable player that we've already got and we need to keep players that can fit into his system. So it's almost impossible to say who should go, who should stay until he knows what he wants to do with the squad. Well, turning around the other way, who might go? Because, I mean, there's an awful lot of talk that Courtois not happy, Hazard's not happy, uh, Costa's not happy. And I think, you know, quite frankly, I don't care how, like, like you were saying, I don't care how good they are. And I know a lot of supporters who have this view. If they don't want to be at the club and they don't want to play, bye-bye, you know, shut the door on your way out. It doesn't matter how good they are. But, I mean, out of those three and maybe a few more, do you think a few of them might go? I think a few of them will go. Um, but every player will, will be intrigued, I'm guessing, as to what Conte can do. This might be the beginning of a brilliant period mm. for Chelsea's history. So there's one thing saying, OK, Real Madrid are interested. And I get the attraction of Real Madrid. They're a bigger club than us. We know that. And if Eden Hazard wants to go there and Real Madrid want him and they're prepared to pay £70 million, pounds, he's going to go. But Conte may come into Hazard and say, you know what? Stick with me. Stick. I will win you this. I will get you this. You will flourish under me. Courtois might be another one. Now, Courtois has had an indifferent season. At times, he's been very good. At times, you look at him and think, I think the goal against Stoke... Um, from Charlie Adam I think that affected him and I think the red card against mm. Swansea in the opening game of the season his positional sense at times whether he goes or comes out the box I think has, has affected his confidence he may come in content and said you, I am going to make you the best goalkeeper in the world players want to hear that Yeah. players want to hear that and if he's in his plans and he wants to keep him and they sit down and have a conversation and apparently he's at the training grounds over the last 48 hours players, players could be all of a sudden thinking you know what I like the sound of you I want to play for you. I want to win things for you. So that that might change, yeah. you know, with just one conversation. Yeah. Well, let's hope so. I mean, you know, if they're good players, I'd rather they stayed. But I mean, they really need only if they want to be here. You know, for me, that's massively important. Totally agree with you. I mean, whatever whatever you say, Jace. It, it, as I said earlier, it's going to be the biggest summer we've had at the club for for years and years and years. And and of course, as always with Chelsea, it's going to be a, quite a, a mad journey. And I'm I'm really looking for. I'm actually really looking I'm a, forward to next season. I can't already. wait for next season. Yeah. I cannot wait. It's a new direction for the football club. Yeah. It's, if the, if the manager doesn't manage, now there's going to be pros and cons for that. But, you know, this, this is, you look at his record as a player, you look at his record as a manager, this guy has, he, he's still young. Yeah. You know, this, this, is, this is not a manager that's coming in that's won everything. He hasn't won the Champions League. He hasn't won the Premier League. He won the, his, his trophies that he wants, he wants to win them. Mm. You know, I'm excited about next season. I, I really am. But we've got to learn from the mistakes we've made over the last 12 months. Hear, hear. Amen to that. Now, uh, finally, mate, uh, that's another thing that I'm very excited about is that tonight is our 350th Chelsea fancast. How about that? Oh, well, well, I feel privileged. Well, that's why I've got you on. I thought we'd mark it with a with a special guest. And actually, you've been you've been very integral to the Chelsea fancast. I mean, you've been on the show a few times, but also, of course, you know, we're still using your lovely little soundbite things in the middle of each uh, each part. So oh, that's You're nice. actually that's on lovely. every show. You've been you've probably been on as many Chelsea fancasts as I have. <laughs> yeah, not as vocal though as you, Chich. Well, probably a bit more calm and measured as well. I love that, I have to say. Yeah, but, uh, oh, brilliant stuff. Well, congratulations. Thank and, you, uh, and, and here's to the next 350. Well, that's if I'm still alive. Then I've worked it out. It's about. I mean, we're about to come up. Actually, the other thing is, I think at the end of April, we would have been doing it for eight years because we started just before the uh, the 2008 Champions League final against United. Wow. So um, I'll be nearly 60 if we do another 350. That's quite. I'll be pensioned <laughs> off, mate. Well, that's, they call it the Chelsea pensioner, so it's probably quite appropriate, isn't it? 
Nice, nice. You'll be, you'll be around too. Oh, hopefully I will. Mate, Loveland, hopefully you'll be around too, and I'm sure you will be. Um, I'm mate, sure I will be. Much, much, much appreciated for doing this. Really uh, love having you on the show, and hopefully I'll Pleasure. catch up with you for a beer after the next match. Can't wait, Chidge. I'll buy the next round, all right? Lovely stuff. Cheers, fella. Take care. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com OK, welcome back. I'm Sam Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast, the 350th episode. My God, how long-suffering are you lot? Um... Now, uh, what, first of all, before we get into the emails and stuff, what did you all think of that interview with Jason Cundy? Jonathan? Very enjoyable. Um, uh, you went over lots of stuff we'd been debating, and he gave us a nice uh, succinct uh, approach. And I think he's absolutely right about uh, next season being um, uh, remarkable uh, because of the new man and uh, and all the possibilities and what team he's going to end up with. And um, and I, I liked in particular the, uh, the point about... Um, uh, Kennedy having a, a future and uh, neither Brannan nor, nor Azpilicueta having a future, if he, depending on what formation well, he plays. Exactly. And I think I think this is what we've got to, to, to expect, is um, it will all depend on what he thinks will get the results. That In, yeah. The formation and what he wants to play, he will sculpt the team accordingly. Well, that's, and, that's and, a... And, Sorry, you're saying everybody's going to be pushed out or accepted. I think I think the the one thing I think that, that that he didn't say, which is I think it's really unlikely that they're going to be a huge number of youth playing though, because I think that he will just have he will they will make his about four or five big signings, um, and he will demand that. I really do think that's likely to take place. I actually thought, uh, I mean, I thought Jason, you know. We're very privileged, Dan, Dan Sills and I particularly, because we do, you know, have beers with him after most of the home games, and we get a lot of this insight. Although sadly, I'm so drunk by then, I usually forget it all. Um, but that having been said, I think one of the most interesting points he made was absolutely spot on: is that, you know, we're not going to see seven or eight of these players go uh, because <laughs> it just doesn't happen like that. And it's much more realistic that four will go and four will come in. Dan Levine, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's that's very true, and and I think um, he made some very very good good points there, as Jason always does. Um, I think there was only one thing there that that I think I might be at odds with him on, and uh, that's his belief that JT is going to be given a new contract. Really? I'm afraid that's not what I'm hearing. Um, what I'm hearing is that he he met with uh, Conte on Tuesday of last week, and and though the club has said all along that it's Conte's decision, what happens? My understanding is that the, the, the word that came out of that meeting was that Conte's hands were tied uh, and that basically a decision had been taken already at a high level, um, which I'm sure people will be um, very upset to hear if it's the case. So hang on, we'll pause and rewind. Um, so basically, the club are going to stitch Conte up by making it look like it's Conte's fault that JT's contract doesn't get renewed, which is going to completely undermine him in front of the supporters. If you like, yes. And, and I, I've been fairly critical for a while that, that this is a, a bit of a poison chalice that's been given to Conte. Um, and, and, you know, going into a new job, you're never, ever going to have entirely your own sort of carte blanche to make those decisions because you, it, you are, he's potentially going to have to go against the board that's just appointed him. Um, but, but, but that's my understanding, that basically his, his hands are tied. And when you say high level, you mean Roman? Well, there's no high level. No. 
Fucking disgraceful. Right, uh, Dan Sills, I know that you're desperate to give a shout out to some mates of yours, but before you do, did you did you enjoy that interview? Yeah, I thought it was brilliant. I think, you know, it's, there's so few proper Chelsea pundits in the public eye to get a, you know, voice a, a true Chelsea opinion. I thought he pretty much hit every nail on every head, talked a lot of sense. And I think, you know, we should, we should be excited. I made a point, think way back from Swansea, it's probably our worst season since 1997 in terms of how what we've done on the pitch. Six. Six, sorry, 96, yeah. So in that perspective, we probably drew a bad season. You know, roll, roll on next season. Well, you say you say, you say bad, worst season since 96. I'd say actually it's before that. I would say probably 93. Because in 94, 95, 96, you know, Hoddle had us competing in the Cups at the very least and beating Man United home and away. Which in those I was talking days more quite, positional because we've obviously becoming like 10th, 11th. In, in terms we? of the league, I totally yeah. agree with you. I mean, the, la- yeah. the, the lowest position we've had hitherto... Uh, was eleventh in ninety six. Anyway, I'm splitting hairs. Do you want to yeah. give? Do you want to have this shout out to these mates? Yeah, well, basically, I've got a very good friend of mine called Boo. Um, she goes with her sister, and for various reasons, they've not been to many games this season. So they're desperate, desperate to get two together for Leicester. I know it's a very long shot, but I promise I'll give a shout out on the fan cast tonight. So if anybody's got two seats for Leicester, she'd be really, really grateful. She can, you know, go via me or her Twitter, which is at Boo Matthews. So. I, well, out there, I'd be I, really grateful. I know of Boo. I don't think I've had the pleasure of meeting Boo, but Boo yeah. and I have been following each other on Twitter for a long, 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 long time. Yeah, so that's a top, top girl. She yeah. loves the sport. She loves the Chelsea. And she'd be really grateful and get her two tickets for her and her lovely sister. Okay. Two tickets needed for Leicester for the lovely Boo. Contact Mr. Silver. You know where to find him. That's a very yeah. good shout out. Right. We should carry on with the show. Uh, we are in the home straight and uh, we've got a few emails here and a few shout outs for the general kind of stuff that we normally do. But Jonathan, can I avail uh, ourselves of your wonderful voiceover services for this first email? Yes, I'll have a go. Hello, Chidge. Hello, we're waiting. Oh, good. Cue, yes. Jonathan. Cue me, thank you. Um, hi, Chidge. I have a question for you on your team of podcasters. I'd appreciate your opinions on how our loan system will be affected by the massive TV money coming into the Premier League next season. My opinion is that Premier League clubs are the best place for our youths to be loaned out to and for them to get the most appropriate experience of top-level football. Ake is getting the exact experience and game time at Watford he needs, but every Premier League club next season will have more than enough money to buy players in rather than take developing players on loan. I feel our youths will have to drop down into the championship and leagues abroad. Yes, they will develop so far, but this could really hamper their hardening up and getting up to speed and ultimately them being ready for the first team squad at Chelsea. Also, some players can look good until they have to mix it in the Prem. At this point, those not up to it would be let go. There's no doubting the abundance of talent we have in our youth system, but fear they may fall short in their final push to make it at Chelsea. And we could also miss out on a star player under these circumstances. Opinions would be appreciated. Keep up the good work, guys. Up the Chelsea. Dave Jones. Well, thank you very much, Dave. I'm just wondering, I think that might be my mate Dave from Swindon, who is just brilliant and who I sadly don't get to see as much in the pubs as I used to. But Dave is one of life's brilliant gentlemen, an absolutely fantastic bloke, as are all of the lads from the Swindon Blues and I've had the pleasure of getting drunk with them in the pubs many a time and I hope they're all well um, who would like to answer that one 
kick off yeah briefly. go on off Just, you go, Dan. I, I think there's there's a very valid question there about the future of the loan system um we've we've struggled a bit we've never really managed to play it properly um you know until recently the only success we could point to really was courtois and that's all gone a bit wrong isn't it mm. um but uh, Aki, the man who, who was mentioned briefly there, unfortunately, I don't think the news on Aki is going to be good, which is fairly depressing because he's a lovely guy. He's a really grounded individual, very intelligent, and he's a very good footballer. But I think he's going to be playing permanently for Watford very soon, mm. um, which is a shame for Chelsea, but I think it's probably going to be good news for Aki. Um, we really need to have a look at it, really. Um, and, and, and the thing that I think uh, Dave probably needs to remember that hasn't mentioned there is that although there'll be more money coming in for us from the Premier League. There'll be a lot more money coming in from for, for another 10 teams that finish above us, potentially. Yeah. Um, and so, so you know, we, can have, we could have play, teams like Leicester buying players and loaning them out. We might be taking them. Who knows? It's a very interesting point, actually, that, that we, we haven't really discussed uh, on any of the shows this season. Um, but this, for example, is the worst season in the history of the Premier League to get relegated, arguably, because of the amount of TV money coming in. So by that token, this is probably the worst season for Chelsea to, to finish outside of the top four, would you say, Dan? Yeah, probably. Um, it's I mean, it's bad for a number of reasons. It's also bad for the, for the coefficient, because although that's now guaranteed for two or three seasons, um, next season is the season, I think, where our Europa League season drops off. Mm. Um, and so this could potentially... Because, you know, until... Well, basically, you can't trust anybody else to do anything in Europe. Um, and we're the only ones who've been carrying the flag for a while. Mm. If we're not there, who does that? That's a very good point. Uh, anybody got anything to add on that, Dan, at Sills? Uh, I, I had this kind of argument debate a couple of away games ago that we've got some absolutely fantastic youth players, but the actual step up from the level they're playing at to Premier League is, is huge. I mean, there's maybe some some argument that yes they're very good but maybe they're not quite good enough to to make it the top level and they will end up with a true level is potentially you know a lower league you know a lower premiership team or top championship team because for example Callas has barely got a look in at Middlesbrough uh, Banff has not got a look in at Palace or Norwich so the argument is maybe as good as they are at under 21s under 18s they're not that as good when you you know men against boys so to speak Dan Levine, Dan Levine, what's what's happened with the Christensen thing? Is he is he supposed to be on a two year? Do they have a clause to get him out? It's supposed to be two year, and I think they're looking at ways to break it. And 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 I'm I'm always told that there is always a way to break it if the parties are willing. But it seems that the player might not be. Um, he doesn't that... think that he'll get first team. He will play for the first team, I suppose. If well, he's well, getting... frank, frankly, what would you do if you were told that you could yeah. come back to Chelsea and you'd just be on the bench, or yeah. you could live it up at it's Munch and Gladbach, isn't it? Is that? Yeah. Um, then where would you go? Mm. Yeah, you'd stay there, obviously. It's a conundrum, isn't it? Right. Uh, thanks, chaps. Right, uh, Jonathan, the, uh, an email came in after I'd emailed you all the script. So uh, I'm, forgive me for reading this one out. I tell you um, what we could do is you could read a word, then I'll read the word. Okay. Hi. Hi. Chidge. Chidge. And. And. The. The. Gang. Gang. I don't think this is going to work. No. Uh, <laughs> good sentiment, though. Right. Um, hi, Chidge and the gang. Uh, Jonathan, I'm going to let you read out all of the shout-outs apart from the Drogba one. So you'll get, no, thank you, you. you know, don't worry. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't 
you know, cut you off on any sack. time. No, no, I know, I know. It's a bit like actors; they they get very loved up about how many words they have in a play. It's a bit like that, isn't it? Right, I I, Harry Potter, Harry Potter games. I was play, paid per word. Were you really? It's like lawyers. Yeah. Like Dan will know. Lawyers used to be, you know, they used to charge per per word, wasn't it, Dan? Back in the pretty se- much seventeen hundred. Yeah, and, and, and even these days, they, they they charge by every six minute segment. Yeah, bloody hell criminal right hi chidge and the gang that sounds like a great name for a band uh, i thought it was about time that was me not whoever wrote this i thought it was about time i said hello again and thank you for the continued excellence of the podcast your standards haven't dropped unlike those of the team and i think your puns for the podcast titles chidge may even be improving well thank you uh, the mixture of informed debate and mindless banter or is that mindless debate and informed banter Good question. Always makes me feel better, whatever the result on the pitch. It certainly has been a season to forget. I keep coming out of the shower, Bobby Ewing, hoping it has all been a bad dream, but to no avail. Um, does that make me Pamela Ewing? I wonder. I used to really have the horn for her when I was, you know, quite young. Uh, anyway, <laughs> moving along, hoping it has all been a bad dream, but to no avail. So, if you've got time this week, as a bit of light relief, could I pose you a question? On the basis that we play 3-5-2 next season, how would you line up the team for the first match of the season using our current players? You can include low knees. Tricky, I think. Keep up the good work. Best wishes, Paul Hackman. Well, thank you, Paul. And it's interesting that you you write in with that email because actually I I was watching uh, Mixler, the chat room, uh, while Jason's interview was going on, and a lot of people were saying the same kind of thing. Who would like to um, suggest a line-up for 3-5-2 next season? Who would like to do that? Uh, Blackman in goal. Olorena. <laughs> Olorena. Dan, we'll do this one by one. Uh, can we can we recall Gillibodji? Yes. <laughs> uh, I'll go for Michael Hector. Uh, Christensen. Christensen. Oh, it my turn. Nathan Ake. Nathan Ake. How many is that? Has anybody counted? That's that's um, that's a defence answer. One, three, and a two. This is becoming like a, a bloody Monty Python sketch. This is getting uh, too silly. Sala Kudrajo. Sala Kudrajo Marin. This is getting we too even silly. Haven't got to Marin yet? Yeah. Yeah. Right, Dan. Who would your uh, three five two be? God, Dan. Don't put me on the spot. Who me? Yeah. Um, I, I think. Uh, well, it depends because we'll be bringing in people. Um, there's. Uh, yeah, Let's assume people. that we're not bringing in anybody because. Uh, but we will be because there'll no, be no. people like potentially Bonucci okay. in there. Maybe well, we could have Nangalan in there. We could have Panic in there. Panic on the streets of London. Lovely. Um, <laughs> there could be all sorts. Yeah. Um, hang, hang, hang the DJ. Hang the DJ. Hang the DJ. He's only a pound. <laughs> I can't. I, like I can't wait. Put- Quadrado reappearing because I think it's immensely likely. All right, as you're being so useless, I'm going to kick us off. Uh, oh, okay, okay, let's say Begovic. All right, uh, and I'm assuming. Well, I think Benucci will be the centre of the centre backs. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Zuma and uh, Branner will be the others. Then wing backs, I think Aspie and Kennedy. Um, and then who else are we going to have the midfield? Let's assume that Fabregas will stay, or in an ideal world, Pogba. And then, uh, of course, well, I mean, you know, Mangaloo. it's difficult, isn't it? Because you've got, um, who's going to play up? Maybe he'll play Fabregas off the striker. Let's say it'll be Costa, which means you've got Quadrado and Kennedy as your wing-backs. William. Yep. Loftus-Cheek. Quadrado is a wing, wing-back. Well, okay. who fucking knows? I mean, where else is he going to play? If he's going to play 3-5-2. I think, actually, what we're proving... Because we could be here all night doing this, is it's gonna it's it's almost impossible to say. Because number one, we don't have the right players right now for a three five two and we don't know who he's gonna be able to bring in. 
Would and he may not play enough? three five two. He indeed. may he might play uh, something completely different. He indeed. might play with one up. You don't know. Yeah, indeed. We just don't. We just don't know. We just don't know. One thing I will say about Conte. What I like about Conte, from all accounts, is that he has a tactical flexibility, which I always love. And I remember Jose used to have that in his first spell with us. He didn't really have it much in the second. But and one thing I would absolutely love is if. We got rid of this rigidity about having a four-two-three-one system, which just, I think, does my nutted. Anyway, we must move on because we are running out of time. Jonathan, could you do the honours on uh, the uh, shout-outs for our friends? CFC UK. You can get CFC UK at home games from the CFC UK stall, opposite Fulham Broadway Tube, and also at away games. If you can't get it there, you can always get it digitally by subscribing online at cfckuk.net. And if you're in the USA, follow Twitter account at CFCUKUSA. And if anyone's interested in getting a CFCUK copy, contact Dan Lundberg on Twitter, who is at D-L-U-N-D-B-E-R-G underscore, at Dan Lund- Lundberg underscore. Uh, now, Chelsea Supporters Trust. Um, if you join the trust, uh, join your trust and get your voice heard by the club. Five pounds to become a voting member or free for non-voting members. Sign up at ChelseaSupportersTrust.com so you can attend the meetings, come to the events and vote on the issues that directly affect you and make sure you get your voice heard. And you can follow them on Twitter at Chelsea S Trust. It's well worth joining up with that. Um, now it's the DDA Drogba print, which is huge. No, 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 we've got a bit more yet. Uh, you, I'll tell you, I'll carry on because the, the next two have been appallingly written and I would, would like to spare you from the labours of having... Are you doing the CPO one uh, as well? Well, you could do the CPO. Thank you. If you want to own a little bit of Chelsea and protect the future of the club, go and buy a share in the Chelsea pitch owners who own the freehold of Stamford Bridge and whose aim is to ensure that Chelsea Football Club will remain playing football at Stamford Bridge. To find out how to buy a share for £100, email info at chelseapitchowners.com or check out chelseafc.com slash fans slash Chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners and follow them on Twitter at pitchowners. Fantastic. Thank you very much. And actually, Mr. Osgood Niners asked a question. Does Mr. Kidd do any American voiceovers? Well, funnily enough, tomorrow I've got an audition for to play Big Ears in the Noddy, uh, American version of Noddy. The American version of Noddy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? And Never d- next? And in, in, in the English version, which I'm, I'm in as well, which I'm in. <laughs> Um, he's he's very like that. He goes. Ha, he's ha, Welsh, ha, is he? Noddy, what are you going to do? So I presume the American would be. Ha, 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 Noddy, hey, what are you do you know what? I, I've got it, mate. <laughs> I've got it. No, no, big ears. Big ears would be. Um, oh God, damn it, uh, John, big Mickey. fat actor who Daddy, who played Daddy, who played do? King Ralph, and he was in the Big John Lebowski. Goodman. John Goodman. Noddy, what are you gonna do? You, Noddy. Yes, exactly. You gotta you gotta do <laughs> it in the style. Do it in well, the style I'll of John Goodman. I'll give them the option. I'll give them that voice. I'll give them that voice as well, if you like. I you want ten percent. Like if you do it as John Goodman, I want ten percent. Right. And I'll be. I'll make him a bit like that as well, if you like. <laughs> Naughty. What are you gonna do? Oh my God, he's off. Right. Somebody cart him away. Jonathan. <laughs> brilliant. Mute, mute him. Yeah, I, I can't, sadly. If I mute Jonathan, I mute you all, and uh, I'd hate to do that. What are you going to um, do, Naughty? So I this, think the answer is, yes, I can do America. See, in the old days, you see, I used to have a mixing desk, and if people were getting out of order, I could just I could just take their, 
you know, the, the, the cable out of the mixing desk and you wouldn't hear them. Al- in the old days, I was sitting next to you and you'd push, push me off my chair. Well, I'd just punch you, actually, wouldn't yeah. I? You know, that was, that's very true. All right, moving swiftly along. Jonathan, thank you, as always. Excellent, uh, beautifully read uh, and wow. also hilariously funny, as you always are. Right. <laughs> now, talking of the States, great little segue here. Um, little plug for our mate Canners, Paul Cannaville, who, as I said, I think I'll try and do a, an interview with, like I did with Jason, because we haven't heard from Paul for a while. And also, it'd be nice to hear from the horse's mouth, so to speak, about this tour, because Canners is going on tour, and he is going to America, and he is going to be hosting, or hosted by, I think, the Boston Blues in the Banshee Pub uh, between May the 14th and the, May the 17th. That sounds like some session if it's going on for three days. Uh, uh, you can follow Boston Blues at Boston underscore Blues. He will be with Atlanta Blues with the lovely Brenda, uh, Meehan's Buckhead, May 17th to 22nd, and they are at ATL Blues. Shed End Dallas at the Londoners Pub, May 22nd to the 26th. They are at Dallas Shed End on Twitter. And the Bayou City Blues uh, at the Phoenix Brew Pub, May 26th, 29th, uh, and they are at Bayou City Blues. Uh, now the other thing is, while he's out there, other than I mean, he, you know, if you haven't met Paul, he is one of life's lovely, lovely people, a nicer bloke you're unlikely to meet. But um, and he likes a drink too, and he's full of stories. He's just lovely. Uh, brandy and he, Coke. He's what? Brandy and Coke. Brandy and Coke. He likes his brandy and Coke. Yeah, yeah, he does indeed. Now uh, he's also going to be playing some football out there, uh, and it all goes to a good charity. It's all in aid of the Soccer Streets charity, and he's got a a, a giving page which you can find at soccerstreets.org slash squad slash 517 so please go there and denote, uh, denote, go and donate to that because it's a worthwhile cause and it's always good to support Paul because he's very supportive of everybody else and us especially. Right, it's competition time now or the announcement of winner time uh, those who were listening last week will know that we ran a competition uh, thanks to a Welshman, uh, very appropriate it being that we played Swansea, called Arwen Thomas and he's designed some fantastic prints, and one of them was of Didier Drogba. And he's uh, put this one up for grabs, and you had to follow him on Twitter, at AGT79, and then tweet the answer to the following question to both him and us at Chelsea Fancast, which was, how many goals did Didier Drogba score for Chelsea? Who knows the answer to that one? No, well, I always go by Wikipedia, because they're never wrong. And Wikipedia told me it was 164. So there we go. No stewards' inquiries. That is the final answer. And I'm delighted to say that quite a few people did actually uh, give us the right answer and also followed the instructions, which was to follow Arwin and tweet us. Now, what I'm going to do now, I'm going to get Dan Levine to uh, pick the winner. So I've, I've got four, you know, one, two, three, four. Pick a number between one, two, three, and four, Dan. Three for Ashley Cole. Well, that now we're going to be told this is an absolute fix, okay? Because that means that the winner is at London Blue Pod. Oh, <laughs> who I was on! I was on their show yesterday, and Dan and was, I was on, on the, the week previous before. Week. Exactly, but no, I mean that's a completely blind uh, thingy. Dan had no idea what I'd written down. No, I could have said fix, one for fix, 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 no, fix. Three no, for Paulo Ferreira, or four for um, Muscle Desai. Dan picked three, and the winner is at London Blue Pod. So I will get Arwin to get in touch with you boys. Uh, I don't know which one of you it was, because it was, it was London Blue Pod, not Dan or Nick or... or, or um, what's the other guy's name? How awful of me to forget. I was only speaking to them yesterday. Is it, is it Barnaby or something? Right. 
Brandon, thank you. Oh, God, how embarrassing. Brandon, I'm so sorry, but I am senile, as you well know, because you spoke to me for two hours yesterday. Right, OK, we're pretty much done. Um, all is left for me to say is I have really enjoyed spending the 350th Chelsea Fancast with you three fine gentlemen, and I hope you have enjoyed it too. Thank you. Thank you. Applause. Thank you very Chish, much. Chish, Chish, Before you go into your final farewells, can I just mm. chip in a, a tiny little thing, yes. as I want to do sometimes at this stage of events? I've just seen a tweet from Gary Chivers, who has today oh, been in, um, yes. in in Burnley. Yeah. Uh, and he's been at the uh, sad occasion mm. of the funeral of Ian Britton. Uh, he said, uh, and he said, sad day for all of us. Thoughts and prayers are with Eileen, Lauren, Liam, Callum and Kieran. We'll miss you Brits. And I think um, we should just all sort of um, raise a toast or whatever you're, wherever you are, just just have a, a small thought for Ian Britton, who played 289 in terms for Chelsea and was a thoroughly decent chap. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And we, we actually yeah. spent a lot of time last week, Dan, um, you know, talking about Ian and, and, and commiserating and commemorating at the same time, if you see what sure. I mean. Um, and, I, and while I'm here, because Dan is on the fans forum next week, as is Debs, who's in the mix of chat room. Mm. And could you please ask the people on the fans forum uh, the, representing the club why the club have not yeah. had black armbands for the last two games when Burnley managed to do it the next game and I, so did Blackpool and so did Blackpool there are a lot of Chelsea supporters myself included who are thoroughly pissed off with that very lax attitude I'd like, I'd like to applaud, applaud him for a minute I'd like to do that yeah well, I would do it yeah. no I don't mean now alright oh, ok I, I, thought you, I thought you meant now well no, I no, think no, I meant, so I yeah. meant at, the, at the game on Saturday at Man City game yeah, I think, I think we what was the shirt number that's a good question. What was his shirt? Was it four? I'm sure he probably moved around a fair well, bit. He did a bit, didn't he? All right. Yeah. Okay. Listen, we've got to go soon, so we better wrap up. But I just wanted to say that you know, I, it's hard for me to even begin to think of you know favourite shows in 350. I mean, I've genuinely enjoyed every single one of them. I particularly love the fact that we've changed and evolved. But whilst we may change, the personnel may change, may change the spirit of the show. You know, and the fun in doing it remains the same. But the most important thing uh, to say is that the whole thing would be entirely pointless. And this is where we get the lovely little link from the beginning. The whole thing would be entirely pointless unless the people who listen to it listen to it as passionately as they do and engage with us on Twitter and Facebook. And particularly my favourites of all of you, who are the people that I find in Mixler every Monday at seven o'clock. Uh, if it was, if it wasn't for you lot, there would be absolutely no point in doing this. So, on the 350th uh, episode of the Chelsea Fancast, I'm going to applaud everybody who listens to this show. Thank you very much. Bravo. There we go. Hello. Right. Uh, we will be back. You'll be amazed to hear. We will be back next Monday uh, to report back on the game against Man City, which will be our 351st show. Who, who would have thought it? Um, now, uh, I have no idea who's on it next week because I haven't done the schedule yet, have I, chaps? No. No. Okay. Who's, who's available next Monday? I'm free. I'm free. <laughs> Dan, are you free, of, you free for a hat trick? Sorry, I'm with Mrs. I'm, I'm straight. What's, what was her name? Uh, Mrs. Sokton's Pussy or whatever. Okay, you're with Mrs. Mrs. Sokton's Slocum. Pussy. Mrs. I'd, Slocum's I'd rather pussy, be with the Miss Miss Brahms actually. She had the much nicer pussy. Um, anyway, uh, I know you're not. I know you're not free, Dan, because we 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 don't. We only have you on once a month because we like to we like to ration you. You see, Eek me out. We do. But Sylves, are you going to be around next Monday? Ninety-nine uh, percent, yes. Okay, well, don't worry. I'll sort of schedule out this week. I yeah. promise. But we will be back. Uh, whether it's just me and Jonathan, we will be back. <laughs> 
Now, don't forget to follow uh, the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast. Me at Stanford Chiz, Jonathan at Jonathan Kid, Dan at Dan Silves seventy three, and Dan Levine at Dan Levine. And of course, check out the website ChelseaFancast.com. Uh, many thanks to my wonderful guest this week, Dan Levine. It's been lovely having you on the show as always. It's been a pleasure to be here, even though I've been up since half three this morning because I did the Talk Sport breakfast show and I'm absolutely knackered. You have. Well done. Well, you're a real trooper. You're such a professional, Dan. I do love you for that. And uh, you'll be amazed to hear that I didn't get up in time to listen to you. <laughs> oh, oh my! It's a bit early for me, mate. I mean, if come only on. I'd known Dan, I'd have listened. If I was I'd, on there. Yeah. I do the Mitsubishi ad on there yeah, at the moment. Yeah. So. Jonathan, it's been an absolute delight and a pleasure to have you on for as long as we have, but particularly tonight. Have you enjoyed it? Thank you. Oh, very good fun. Thank you. It's good always uh, it's always good fun. Chich. My pleasure. Uh, Dan Sills, and hopefully I'll be seeing you for a beer or ten on Saturday. Yeah, that'll be there definitely on on the watering hole pretty much. I think. Uh, yes, indeed. I do yeah. like a bit of cock on the Saturday before a game. Yeah. Are you in the you in the Tommy Tucker afterwards? I think I might well be. Yeah, that that be my plan. Yeah. I shall uh, cycle full past. And if nip I get in. if I get very drunk, I might end up in the rose. But a lot of that will depend on Mrs. Chidge. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway, we should move on. Uh, many thanks to my guests this week, and in fact, many thanks to my guests on all 350 shows. They've been brilliant to put up with me for this long. As have you, wonderful people out there, uh, to whom I am utterly, utterly humbled uh, by the fact that you listen to this show. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Up the chills. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.